What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 103. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. How's it going, dude? It's going pretty well. I have a challenge for the listener. Uh, you're going to like this one. I am drinking just the wackiest thing right now. It's it's wild. It's weird. And uh, if any listener can guess what it is, I will just... Uh, I'll send them one of these. I've got three arena codes sitting on my desk. I'll just send them one of these arena codes. Uh, I'm going to give off one hint. It's spicy. All right. Well, there's your challenge, <laughs> listener. I'm not going to make any guesses here. I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt at all. So, <laughs> good luck. All right. Well, this week we're talking about something a little different. I mean, we're at a spot where there's a little bit of a lull in the format, and so today we're talking about things to do in Magic that are not. Streets of New Capenna Limited. We hate New Capenna now. Everyone hates <laughs> New Capenna. We don't hate it. It's but the the mood has soured on New Capenna. So we thought we'd talk about some alternatives. Yeah, before we jump into all of that, of course, our usual housekeeping. Check out the Discord if you're not already in there. We would love to hear you over there. Come to say hi, just chat about different trophies that you're picking up, the picks that you're making in different formats. We've got a lot of like kind of interesting formats with the alchemy being a thing and some others that we're going to get into in a bit. Um, and of course we've got channels for all sorts of other stuff as well. So jump into the discord, check that out. And you've got one week left to get your mailbag questions in for our second year anniversary episode, which is next week. I can't believe that's already here. Yeah, that was fast. Get those questions in. We have a lot of good ones already, but uh, if you ask it, it's going to be a good time. We'll answer it. And then, of course, if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash pod. Huge, huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week over there, especially because I've been behind on uploading content to that. So I'm, I'm going to get that <laughs> caught up this weekend. But thank you all for your support. Perks over there include things like our Draft Doctor series, uh, stickers, show notes, unedited recordings of the show, and our Draft Chaff Hero cards, which Ben and I will sign and send right to you. So again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. Little known fact, uh, our patrons are actually the coolest people on earth. We didn't pick it. It's just what it is. Uh, the research just came in. Uh, th that's how it happens. Dems the rules. Mm -hmm. All right. On to our crack draft type thing. We've got a spicy one here, Ben. Why don't you walk us through this? Oh boy. This is a vintage cube pack one pick one. Now I got to start with this. I am not particularly great at vintage cube. I am very, very, very good at going 2-1. <laughs> I am not very good at going 3-0. Uh, I tend to run into maybe like one deck that's about my power level. I can hopefully win that. I tend to run into maybe one stinker deck that didn't get there. And then I tend to run into a deck that I'm just so hopelessly outmatched. Some kind of like artifacts, fast mana, upheaval nonsense. Anywho, uh, Vintage Cube is a lot of fun. We'll talk a bit more about it later, but... Here for a pack one pick one. First out of the pack, we've got Relic of Progenitus. This is a one mana artifact. It's graveyard hate. Not the kind of thing we want first pick. Second thing is an Arbor Elf, though. That is a one green for an elf. It taps to untap a forest. Now, if you're playing mono green in this set, you want as many one drop elves as you can get. Next up is Expressive Iteration. This card is uh, kind of getting some heat right now. Just got banned in a, in a format or two, right? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Pioneer and maybe Explorer as well. It got some got some hate. Uh, it's a powerful card, and I've loved, I've loved seeing it in these sort of higher-powered formats like this. It, it holds its own. Yeah, it's a nice reminder that they do print cards into modern sets that see eternal play. Uh, actually, our next card is, is another good example of that, Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Although I think this was bugged on Magic Online for a second. At least it was bugged for me. I discarded two cards to its second ability, and I drew nothing. 
And I promise there wasn't a Narset on the other side of the field. There wasn't anything. I checked. My opponent was playing like model white or some junk. Uh, although that could have a taxing effect too. No, no, there was nothing. I checked. Uh, but this card is nuts. It's super good. It's a pretty high pick. I would take it so far out of this pack. Yeah, it seems really good. I, I don't I don't know that there's a whole lot that has been printed recently that's been much better in limited formats. And uh, happy to start with that one here. There's a Lotus Bloom up next, which is kind of like a uh, kind of like a Black Lotus, except it well, it takes a few turns to get there. Turns out the power of Black Lotus is the fact that it costs zero on turn one, uh, and when you have to wait until turn three, sure, it's still great, but you know it's just not quite as good. It doesn't have a lot of the same looping power as Black Lotus. Next up is Council's Judgment. This is a, a weird one. This started as a uh, what? Uh, this started, I think, as a conspiracy card, right? I believe so. It has Will of the Council, so it's voting. Either that or some old commander deck. I, I don't know, to be honest. Someone in Discord, uh, correct me. I'll, I'll send you a uh, I'll send you an arena code, too. Um, that's kind of a freebie. Someone just, just look that up. All right. Whoever gets to it first, then. So uh, Council's Judgment. This is a good white removal spell. Basically, one white, white. Just exile a thing. Exile anything. Um, <laughs> sometimes, if your opponent misplays, they'll have to exile two things. But uh, the joke is you're... There, you, you'd pick it first, you'd pick what you want to exile, then they're supposed to click the same thing, so then you both vote for the same thing. Because it exiles everything tied for the most votes, if they and you choose something different, it exiles both things. So, uh, yeah, yeah, fun card. If your opponent misplays, it can be awesome. Still not taking over Fable, though. Uh, although our next card, probably taking over Fable. Next card is Bribery. Three blue blue, search target opponent's library for a creature card, and then put it onto the battlefield under your control. That's insane. <laughs> That's not even a question. You're absolutely taking bribery over fable. I thought bribery is one of the better. It's like an honorary power card in, in vintage cube. Like it, it's really good. Yeah. I'm no expert, but I'd probably put it in the top 50, maybe even top 30 cards in vintage cube. It, you're not taking it over fast mana and things like that, but it is one of the best actual cards and sure it costs five, which you usually don't prioritize too much, but this is a format where your opponents have Emrakul in their deck. Your opponents have Ulamog. Your opponents have uh, Woodfall Primus to blow up your opponent's first land or something. Like if you can push this out early, ramp into it, uh, or, or free cast it somehow, or find a way to snap cast it to get it back to the graveyard to, to recur it. Uh, plus, sometimes you just take your opponent's one win con with this. If your opponent is playing like a sneak deck where they're, they're trying to sneak an Eldrazi into play, just take it before they can get it. Invalidate their game plan while validating yours getting a win con in a single card uh, it's very rare that you're not going to get like a blade steel or an inky or something uh off this and just at least threaten your opponent to win the game yeah Definitely i mean it's vintage bribery. cube your your opponent has powerful stuff in their deck taking your, their powerful stuff is going to be good for you yeah and like worst case scenario you get like a gold span dragon or something like you're gonna hit on this next up is a fetch land arid mesa this isn't one of the best ones i think you prefer to take the blue fetches over everything else because there's some blue effects that interact with the top of your library but arid maze is still good fetch lands are really strong in in the vintage cube there's an awful lot of cards that can be fetched out with fetch lands uh now we have all 10 triomes i believe in the vintage cube plus the shock lands and the true dual lands so i take the the, the fetches very highly and you can actually take the the, the basic land typed lands a little lower now that there's so many of them but fetches are, are really important you need a consistent mana base when everyone's playing busted cards next up i can't believe i'm saying this but i do not want a questing beast <laughs> yeah it turns out no matter how much text you slap on a big dumb creature it's just not enough in a in a high-powered cube like this i mean it's a fine card in your deck it's just not what you want to first pick 
Yeah, this is the kind of thing that you would take an, an Arbor Elf below. Like If you're playing mono green, you would rather have the ramp or you'd rather have the finisher. You take like a natural order over this or uh, uh, like a hoof. But I mean, sure, this is maybe even a sideboard card if your opponent is playing some kind of blue-white Planeswalker deck with a bunch of Teferis and Narsets and that kind of thing. Yeah, you can bring it in and you can start it. It's not embarrassing, but uh, Cresting Beast is not quite as busted as set. Yeah, I think, I mean, we, we talk about this all the time with, with cubes in general, but specifically with high-powered cubes, like, you want the stuff that isn't replaceable, and Questing Beast is a big dumb creature that you can get a million of. You won't get the exact same effect, but you'll get functionally the same thing, whereas Arbor Elf, like, you need the ramp. Yeah, good point. Next up, speaking of mono green, this card ruined my mono green deck. Liliana Last Hope, uh, that's the one black black planeswalker. She upticks to give a creature minus two, minus one until the next turn. Uh, minus two to mill two cards and then uh, bring back a creature from graveyard to hand. And then minus seven, you get an emblem that just makes a bunch of zombies at, at your end step. I think it's uh, you get X plus two where X is the number of zombies that you have. So if you have zero to start, uh, you get two and the next turn you get four and six and so on and so on. Assuming none of them die. Uh, just makes an unbeatable zombie horde. Problem was, I, I was trying to uh, ramp into some big stuff. Lily uptick kills all your Matadorics. I was so mad. Lily, uh, and then my opponent played a Winter Orb to make my lands not untap. Oh, that was that was a rough game. Next up is a card I'm almost afraid to talk about because I don't know how to use it properly. We got Library of Alexandria here. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't think that this card is very good. I've never tried playing with it. I'm a coward. Uh, this, this feels like one of those things that I know I can play Vintage Cube. Like, I come out with winning records, but I'm still scared of cards like this that just feel older than my 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 knowledge of the game and of the format. Anyway, it's a very simple land. Uh, it taps for colorless, or you can tap it to draw a card and activate only if you have exactly seven cards in hand. So the question is, when is this good? Yeah, I mean, when you have seven cards in hand is the, <laughs> the obvious answer. Uh, being able to draw a card without paying any mana for it is pretty ridiculous um but i i guess i the real answer is like you need stuff where you can reliably get seven cards in hand and then also play stuff and replace that card so you can repeatedly get value out of this thing but you don't want to just not play cards of course so you need ways to draw a lot of cards you need ways to be able to kind of cantrip through things and yeah i know a play pattern that i've seen with this is like you play it turn one and then you draw the next turn, and then you uh, tap this to, to draw a card immediately. And then you, you functionally play behind by one land. You, you kind of time walk yourself. You give your opponent an extra turn almost. You play one land behind, uh, and then just you know draw a card every turn. So giving your opponent a, a, an extra turn functionally to draw an extra card every turn, sure, some decks could do that. In a control mirror, that could be game-ending, right? Like You're just going to draw so many more cards than your opponent. Yeah. That being said, this isn't the type of card I, I like in Vintage Cube. Next, we have Leovold, Emissary of Trust. I know Zach loves this card. I do. Uh, different format, but it's it's a fun card. I don't actually know that it's any good in Vintage Cube. I haven't seen anybody abuse it, really. Shutting your opponents down from drawing multiple cards per turn can be pretty useful, and stuff gets targeted here and there, although stuff tends to be cleared via board wipes or stuff like that, too, or, or, or damage sometimes. Uh, yeah, Leo's solid if you can cast him. Next up, probably a card that I take over Leo, both because it's monocolor and just a little stronger, Brazen Borrower. This card is great. <laughs> I yeah, mean, it's it was super great solid. in standard, uh, great in limited, great here too. 
We have a Flicker Wisp, uh, a hint at the Mono White deck, which is very strong. Mono White and Mono Red are two of the strongest decks in this cube. Uh, Flicker Wisp can serve as a one-turn removal spell. It can untap one of your lands. It can untap a, or it can uh, untap another creature. It can blink something that's been locked down by a removal spell or an aura or something. Uh, just a really, really versatile card. Uh, and it's also a three-mana, three-power flyer. So, uh, so far out of this pack, what are you taking? We've only got one card left. I'm tempted to take the bribery. I think you're right. Flicker Wisp is really, really good. And if you are going to be able to put the white deck together, you're going to want one. Um, but I just love bribery so much. I, I think I'd have to go bribery. Yeah, I think bribery is probably the pick out of this pack. The Fetchland Arid Mesa is good. Fable the Mirror Breaker is good. Lily's good. Brazen Borrower, good. However, we can teach a quick little lesson about Vintage Cube here. It's actually the reason that I pulled this uh, pack one, pick one. There is a Mox Jet in this pack. Never mind. We're done. <laughs> So, take the box move on with your life i know it's funny on on a uh, on vintage cube it auto selected the flicker wisp for me over the mox jet what are you trying to do to me here moto mox jet for those that don't know is a zero mana artifact all it says on it is tap add black so this breaks a fundamental rule of the game and that you can only play one land a turn think of this as a land that you can play in addition to your first land where in a format where you have tons of ramp already maybe you go land mox signet and then you're untapping with maybe four lands functionally uh, far ahead of your opponent, uh, getting yourself maybe two turns ahead of them if they're trying to just go land, 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 land. Moxes enable the most broken things in the format, and you should never pass one. In fact, I think it's only correct to pass one if there is a soul ring in the pack, or I guess maybe uh, maybe like an ancestral or something. I don't know. I, I'm not very good at ranking the power. Go, go listen to LR if you want to hear <laughs> power rank. Uh, but I, I think I would only ever pass a mox if there was something like a, uh, like a soul ring in the pack. Even even still, that's a pretty safe heuristic. Like if you see a mox and take it, like yeah. just don't don't yeah. pass mox. You'll be you'll be fine. All right, on to our Teferi Tibble. This is our Roses and Thorns style of segment where Ben and I share high and a low from the past week. So I think I took it last week. Why don't you Why don't you start us off here, Ben? Right, I think it's back to me. So my Teferi this week is a pretty good one. Uh, we've been playing Zendikar Rising at my school. So me and another teacher, we've, we've kind of slowly been building this magic club um, that meets within the larger games club uh, every Wednesday. And we got enough players to fire some sealed. So we went out and bought a box of Zendikar Rising. We figured that was a good modern set, uh, one that's pretty recent, not super expensive, one that would have some potentially good pulls and relatively low complexity, uh, but it's also a good limited format. We wanted to get one that has some actual good play to it to introduce our students to the, the lovely world of, of uh, limited. Up until this point, they've mostly been playing with some 60-card decks that we made out of donation piles and uh, some proxy commander decks that they've had been having a lot of fun with. But I was so pleased to hear that as they were ripping these packs up and they're like, oh, I get to, build, I get to keep these cards? Like, th- there's nothing like that. Uh, feels great. A lot of them had some some good pulls, some uh, some pathways that'll. I told them like, hey, you hold on to that. It's just going to go up in price forever. Uh, some of the solid rares here and there. A student opened an Agadim's Awakening, which to be honest, I was hoping to open because I need one for modern still. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm uh, proud to say that of the six people, uh, I am I'm playing with five students and the other teachers helping them out. Uh, my pool is by far the worst uh, of the six. It is the junkiest. Uh, I have exactly one good card, and it's a Skyclave Apparition, and I already have my four signed by Donata Giancola, so I don't know what I'm going to do this one. I'll probably give it to a student. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm playing black-white non-clerics, so for those that know Zendikar Rising, it's not good. <laughs> Off to a really, really awful start. <laughs> 
but it's fine. Uh, I, I, I think I deserve to be toned down in power level. My students have some pretty solid decks. Uh, one of them has like blue white flyers party, uh, which seems pretty strong. It's got a kicker sub theme to it. Uh, another one has red white warrior beat down. Another, I think is playing blue back rogues. So uh, just a great time doing that. I was looking forward to it all week and it was so much fun uh, cracking packs and, you know, seeing students understand that commander is great, but limited is actually kind of cool too. Uh, my tibble this week is a, uh, it's pretty stupid. So uh, two nights ago, I spotted a little kind of like garden feel, just a little tiny thing, harmless on the ceiling in my bathroom, too high for me to reach. I usually, when I see like a little harmless bug like that, I'll usually grab it in my hand or a cup or something and toss it out a window or walk it outside. This thing was too high for me to reach. And it was like midnight when I saw it. So I was like, you know what, man, you can just stay there. Just hang out. Uh, it's been like a whirlwind 24 hours. The, 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 ne- the next day I see it there again. It's once again, late at night, too high for me to reach. I'm like, shoot, uh, I'll get you tomorrow. I'll help you out tomorrow. I'll toss you out the window tomorrow. Uh, this morning I'm running late for work. It's still there. And I'm like, okay, little guy's still up there. I'm going to get you out of here. The moment I get back from school, I'm, I'm done early today. Like I can come right home. I come back from school today. He's gone. So buddy, the bathroom beetle, I don't know where you are, but if you're hearing this, I, I tried to help you, man. <laughs> you just caught me at a rough time. Yeah. He's probably like eating your magic cards. or something. <laughs> that would be uh, just desserts, I guess. So what's up with you? So my safari is that I'm trying to put together some travel plans. I mean, it's the summer, so we're hitting, um, you know, it's, it's the time for travel and trying to put some things together. Uh, I, I've been also feeling this kind of, it goes into my tibble, but I've been feeling really cluttered both physically and mentally. I've just been feeling cluttered and I'm like at the point where I'm ready to get rid of everything I own minus like the bare essentials. Um, hmm. not necessarily throw everything out, but give it away, but sell it, whatever. I don't know, but I'm going to be cleaning house soon and just kind of decluttering everything I can. Um, and part of that is also involving a little bit of a tech detox I've been kind of glued to my phone lately and it's just, I've realized it's not all that great health wise, mental health wise. So I was just like, I'm just going to go into the woods with my dog and like get a little cabin for like two or three days, no technology, just bring a notebook and like my dog and just go for hikes and write and think and whatever. That sounds and great. I think it's, I'm excited. I think it's going to be awesome. But yeah. the, the Tibble, and the main tibble is that work has been extremely busy right now and we're in the middle of a very important contract. So I haven't gotten the time approved to get off for that trip when mm-hmm. I want to do it. So I'm waiting to hear back about whether or not I'll be able to actually take it when I want to. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for that. It sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. Sounds like it'll be good when it gets to now. I'm not super familiar with like this kind of contract work. When does it end? Like, So that depends on the contract. Yeah. And for those who don't know, I work for a consultancy. So... I'm not contra- contracted like I have a, a regular nine to five job, but my company ha- like gets contracted to do work for other companies. Um, and so this contract in particular is 13 months um, mm-hmm. with some break periods in between different phases of it. But yeah, so it, this one is is one of the longer ones. We usually don't do them longer than like three months at a time, but uh, this one's one of the longer ones. It's a bigger contract. So lots to do. Yeah. So all right. We're we're going to skip our listener question this week because we're trying to pile them up in that mailbag. Next week, we're going to be doing all listener questions. So strap in for that. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Now, our main topic today, things to do that are not Streets of New Cabana. <laughs> oh, man. I want to like this format, dude. I love playing Bant Tempo decks. I, I genuinely enjoy playing the Bant deck in Streets of New Cabana. 
I think it's a lot of fun. I think the play pattern is cool. Like evasive flyers, this stuff's fun. Rafine's Informant, what a fun card. I like it when white is good and limited and when it has cool card filtering and card advantage. I love Inspiring Overseer. I, I'm not even going to pretend. I love it. Uh, the problem is the other decks just don't match up. And this is not a format where there are nine other decks to compete against the best deck. This is a format where there are maybe like six. And then of those, like three of those are real. <laughs> right. Uh, and we're not the only ones who felt this. To be honest, the mood among us us limited quote-unquote content creators uh, has been that Streets of New Capenna has, uh, uh, let's just say this isn't a good set to be stuck with for like the next, what, three months uh, before the next one? Yeah, unfortunately we are. And I, I, we're kind of eating our own words a little bit here because uh, we did like just a couple of weeks ago say like, if this ends up being a format where it's just bant all the time like we're gonna be in in for it yeah but it turns out it gets boring fast when you can jam as many games as you can on arena as frequently basically as frequently as you want um it does sour a little bit faster than than i think we were anticipating but it's not the worst set we've had in the last like couple of years yeah i mean there was afr <laughs> <laughs> like i i like playing it more than adventures in the forgotten realms uh, but at least that had variety in decks, right? Like if you're not playing blue-white, you're playing blue-white splashing green or blue-white splashing black. And then maybe you're playing blue-black or blue-red. And you're really only happy with like two <laughs> of those, two, two to four maybe. Um, where, whereas in other formats, I think because this is a three-color format, it kind of got screwed in that way. Some three-color formats... I mean, th- think of Ikoria, right? Like I- Ikoria, you can jam two color combinations or three color combinations, and they're all pretty equally valid. Like you're not uh, immediately, it's not like in, in Suits and New Capenna where if someone, uh, they play like a red-green duel into a green land, into a red land. Like you're not laughing <laughs> at how easy this game should be if you have a pile of inspiring overseers. Um, in Ikoria, there were a lot of valid strategies. Some were valid than others. I'm looking at you, Zenith Flare, but like, you know, uh, that that at least had variety in replay. But in this one, it just gets repetitive. And maybe if you're playing and drafting in paper a lot, that kind of solves the problem because you're playing within a pod and uh, it, it balances out a little bit. There's only one person who's maybe stuck with the, the blue-white deck and everyone else is fighting over other things. And, and the power level is a little more even. But drafters that are um, maybe at certain ranks are playing against other drafters at certain ranks and the secret is out, Bant is broken. So it really had come down to if you don't have the overseers, you're just not going to win as many games. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. It kind of just feels like we need pods back. Like mm. this issue would be so much less of an issue if we just everybody was playing in pods. But that also kind of gets rid of the benefits of being able to play on an online client like Arena where you can just jam games whenever you want. Yeah, it's um, a little bit of a, a catch-22, I suppose. But on the bright side, there are other things to do in Magic. That's honestly why this game is so great, right? Even if there's an entire format that people like us, like limited is our thing, even when your main thing isn't very good right now, we were still able to figure out a whole bunch of great things to be doing in Magic right now. The first one we want to talk about, Explorer slash Pioneer. Now, I really liked the banned and restricted announcement this week that was very thoughtful, I guess. And uh, that's not to say the past ones haven't been. Whenever there's a BNR announcement, they always go into the explanation behind why certain cards are banned. Uh, this one uh, fully banned Winota and banned expressive iteration in both Explorer and Pioneer. 
Winota had previously been uh, banned in Explorer. I think suspended was the word they used, but suspended in Explorer. And now she's banned in both Explorer and Pioneer. So to really shake up the meta, they wanted to uh, kind of impact the, the, the Minota deck, which is obviously just an insane Naya mid-range deck that uh, sometimes could just win on turn four without Winota. And then it could win on turn three with Winota. So that wasn't very healthy for the meta. But um, they noticed that blue-red decks were getting a little bit too strong too. So they banned Expressive Iteration, which is kind of the, the sleeper card that's powering those decks up. And they went in depth about some of the other uh, formats and how they're keeping an eye on those too. But particularly with Explorer Pioneer, I was looking on the uh, Explorer metagame on MTG Goldfish, a really useful tool if you want to just get a quick snapshot of what's big. There's not a single deck with more than 3% uh, play rate in, in Explorer right now on, on, Magic, on Arena. So that means you're not going to run into any particular deck more than about 3% of the time which leads to a lot of variety in play. And there's tons of decks, even just from playing it myself. Uh, and there's some that are strong, sure. There's Mono Red, of course. Uh, there's a Black Red or, or Jund Sack deck. There's Grease Fang, uh, the, the Esper Artifact Vehicles deck. There's a, a Coco deck, a, a green-white Collected Company Angels-type deck. Uh, believe it or not, we're... <laughs> According to this, I, I've run into this deck a few times. I thought it was just a meme, though. I thought some, I thought Saffron Olive must have made a deck video around it. Jund Fight Rigging, where it, it's playing like four mana, six power creatures. Stuff like Rotting Regisaur, Shakedown Heavy, uh, Ronus the Indomitable. And then it's playing Fight Rigging. So that Fight Rigging comes in, puts a counter on the thing, and on turn three or four, you get to free cast some massive thing like a Gear Hulk or a Titan of Industry. Uh, or, or even just more bonuses or, or rotting registers or, or shakedown heavies. Uh, apparently, that's a whopping 2% of the format, and that's like in the top three decks. So that's pretty fun. Uh, there's something out there for everyone. I've been playing Boros Feather, and I, I know you've gotten a little bit of play in too, yeah? Yeah, I've been playing a lot of Explorer, and ironically, like I haven't run into almost any of the decks you just mentioned. Um, exactly. That's why it's so good. Well, the thing is, I've been only running into Feather and Grease Fang. That's all I've been hitting. <laughs> Which is terrible for my win rate because I play Spirits and Spirits is very much, well, shall we say, it's it's not a good matchup against those two <laughs> those two decks. Uh, it's okay against Feather. It's really bad against Grease Fang unless you happen to have really cheap counter magic in hand and can counter the Grease Fang on turn three. Otherwise, you just lose. How's the matchup against Mono Red? So I haven't played it played against it too much. I am 3-0 against Mono Red. Nice. And if these decks don't suit your fancy, listener, there, there's plenty of other stuff. There's uh, your classic Narset Teferi control decks in, in blue, white, and maybe even black. Um, there's some strong stuff in, in Esper, thanks to uh, some of the new stuff. I, I've seen some Esper mid-range decks, um, usually focused on Grease Fang, but sometimes they, they have other stuff in them, too. Sometimes there's uh, Rafine decks and, and things like that. Uh, honestly, you can kind of play what you want to right now. Explorer is just a slightly down-powered pioneer. And Pioneer has one of the most diverse metagames overall. Uh, a lot of local uh, game stores are actually running Pioneer tournaments still because, again, it's a growing market. And Wizards announced that they're going to be supporting it from this point on. Like they're, they're back on Pioneer. Yeah, which is really awesome. I think it's a cool format. And it's a lot more approachable for most people than Modern is at this point, where like deck prices are ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm really happy to see Explorer kind of meeting Pioneer in the middle yeah. and, and eventually moving up to Pioneer. One thing that I do wish we could get... Everything with Historic and Alchemy, just roll it all into a ball, 
drain all the energy out of it and put all that energy into Explorer and, and, and making it as good as Pioneer. Like this is, the, I think, the next modern. Uh, I'll, I'll plant my flag on that one now. We'll come back and check in five years and see if I was right or if it's going to get replaced by some other extended type format. Who knows? But right now, Explorer and Pioneer, uh, these seem to be the most enjoyable. They're very diverse. Lots of cool stuff. Fun decks. <laughs> like the, I just said, one of the top three decks is like a power, like a seven power based combo deck. Like what, what, what more do you want? Yeah, I'm just going to go out there because we know that Watsy listens to the show. <laughs> um, just just, just get rid of Historic, get rid of Alchemy, just like literally get it off the platform altogether. Just keep Explorer and Pioneer and, and move towards that. Like we don't need all these extra formats that are like arena specific. Just make the paper game and the arena game the same. Yeah. And I think I'm in the same camp ever since they just mutilated uh, Luminarch Aspirant. And I can't play it in any of my, in my like, historic brawl decks now or, or historic. Like, oh, my God, it, that card is awesome. It, the design was perfect. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. Oh, man, I'll never forgive Alchemy for that. If you're enjoying Alchemy out there, more power to you. And uh, I did do the uh, the midweek Magic Evec, uh, event where they had some of the new Alchemy cards. I didn't play the Alchemy draft for Streets and Penna. I don't know if I missed anything. It seemed okay. Just th- these cards, they are digital game pieces, right? And and that's exciting uh, for those out there. And if that's exciting for you, you know, more power to you. But I get excited about like cards, I guess, like like physical paper cards that I could own and have signed by the artist and sleeve up and, and shuffle. That's something that I think is important to me. And I don't know, alchemy cards, they just don't, they're just not it. A lot of those cards, I wish they had just printed in paper. The, the wolf, right? The the one mana one two. When it enters the battlefield, the next card, the next creature you cast comes in with a one one counter uh, and a vigilance counter and a trample counter, something like that. They could have just made that in paper. It, it would have been perfect, right? Yeah. Well, let's let's move on to our next uh, arc or format that we are enjoying right now outside of Streets of Nukapena, and that is Historic Brawl. I could say some things about the idea for me of Historic Brawl versus Brawl, like anyway but it's a fun format we don't have the the features of you know like four format pods like we would love uh, with commander formats but historic brawl has been fun uh, there are a lot of cool decks the meta is pretty diverse yeah my personal go-to's uh which i tend to use to do my daily quests i kind of have like a handful of decks in every color so that way uh, no matter what my daily is i'm able to, to fire some historic brawl to, to play it if i don't feel like playing a constructed format well, I guess, it's, you know what I mean? I don't feel like playing a 60-card format. Uh, Historic Brawl, I think, is the closest you can get to the Commander experience on on, uh, on Arena, at least. I've been playing Feather, because I'm on a bit of a Feather kick, and I'm a monster. Uh, I like making people feel pain uh, when they know they're never going to be able to kill it, and it's just going to keep smacking in forever. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Nethroi. I'm, I'm still in the process of building my paper Nethroi deck, and I'm testing out a lot of cards on here. Uh, Nethroi Zero Power Reanimator Tribal, with some other fun fun stuff thrown in there. Uh, I play, of course, Holana and Elena. That's probably the one that I play the most. I love Holana and Elena. Can't get enough of those. Uh, what, what a card. Love it. And every once in a while, I'll, I'll bust out a mono white Heliod and just go to town with some 1-1 lifelinker and run my opponent over. Uh, you got any favorites? Um, so I don't really play a whole lot of Historic Brawl, to be honest. Um, it's one that I want to explore more. I haven't touched the format too much, so I don't know what's popular and what's not. But... I did play a little bit of Tulane when the format originally came out. And then mm. I also played, what's the the fairy one? There's like an Esper one, but that was a lot of fun. I remember that deck being really, really fun. Um, so it's one that I want to try out more. 
I want to take a look at the meta and and see what's out there, and and then I'll decide on what sort of commander I might want to use. Thing is about the meta, I've learned that there's a bit of a power level pairing system. It seems that they will only pair you against a uh, a commander who is similar in power level to yours, or a deck that's uh, similar in power level to yours. I don't know how they get that data or or how they pull that off, but I've noticed that I will play against the same commander a, a bunch of times with my same commander, like. Maybe 5% of my Halana Elena games are versus another Halana Elena deck. But then with them, I, I tend to play against a lot of Kenrith five-color good stuff piles, um, r- really lean aggro decks, um, uh, uh, control decks that, that are going over the top with Narset and things like that. Uh, and then when I'm playing a more uh, casual approach, when I'm playing like Gishath Dinosaurs, I get matched against Pirates or Merfolk Tribal and, and that kind of thing. So I think there's almost a CEDH like built into this. Uh, I'd love to see the behind the scenes on this, but I have a funny feeling that they have a pairing system that makes sure the meta stays stable simply by pairing your deck against a similar powered deck, which is something that we would do in Paper Commander anyway. Yeah, I think there was an announcement about that a while ago that they were doing that. Hmm. I don't know if it was an official announcement or not, but yeah, that does seem to be something they do in, in Brawl. Moving on to our next fun thing you can do that's not Streets of New Capenna. We hinted at it before, Vintage Cube. Okay, you know, it might be a little intimidating, but Vintage Cube is a lot of fun. I was intimidated by Vintage Cube for a long time. Uh, I would just watch LSV play it rather than play it myself. LSV, Marshall, uh, the other greats, Duke, uh, anyone out there who would put up a Vintage Cube video, I would watch it. And I've soaked up a lot of knowledge about it and I, to the point where I feel like I could talk about the format you know, somewhat cleanly. But uh, when it comes to playing with Vintage cards, it's a nice experience to not know everything. Uh, which is to say I punt a lot and <laughs> I, I learn a lot. And uh, honestly, that can be refreshing too. So you get to play with power. You know, if you've never opened a Black Lotus, uh, probably not a lot of folks listening to this podcast have held one. I certainly never held a real paper Black Lotus, uh, nor would I think I want to. That's uh, that, that's dangerous right there. What if you sneeze on it or something? But if you open it in, in Magic Online, you know, that's that's almost as good. Just getting to play with these insanely good cards from all throughout Magic's history uh, and getting to pull off things and, and archetypes, like you can draft Storm. You just don't get to do that anywhere else. And this this format uh, has been cultivated over so many years. The Vintage Cube has cards that go in and out, sure. But the ones that stay tend to stay because they enable such incredible things. You could have, I think probably the, the coolest deck of all time that I've seen is LSV played a mono black reanimator Storm deck. It was incredible it's unbelievable honestly go look it up on youtube the vod should be up there uh that is vintage cube you can come up with something that even though this has been played thousands of times no one has ever done something quite like x deck before and you can do that you can make x deck um you can play a bunch of mana dorks and then ramp into a an armageddon and wipe everyone's lands and then keep casting your spells off the mana dorks while your opponent cries uh you can loop a strip mine now I'm just describing stuff that I like to do. <laughs> uh, you could channel uh, on on turn two, cast channel, and then slam an Emrakul or, or slam a, an Ulamog and exile your opponent's only lands. Like, just unbelievable stuff. Yeah, I will say, if you want to see just what the Vintage Cube is capable of, watch LSV play. If you want to feel like you'll never be able to play Vintage Cube, watch <laughs> LSV play. Um, that man yeah, yeah. pilots vintage cube decks like no other and makes the game look way easier than it actually is and will put decks together that most people cannot put together and make work but he does a really amazing job with it so if you really want to see some of the like 
and you know boss level capabilities of the format he's a great person to watch play it um i have not put enough time into vintage cube myself i i should definitely put more time into well good news because everyone that has an mtgo account apparently it's the mtgo 20th anniversary and every single mtgo account just got stocked with 100 play points which is exactly what you need to enter a vintage cube so if you're listening to this and you have an mtgo account you can go play vintage cube right now for free your account has it ready to go you just got to go fire it uh and honestly even if you're a little nervous like i was just just try it. It's so much fun. Learn by experience. Uh, maybe even look up some of the, the best cards in the set and try to think about why before you do it. And then just go nuts. Uh, just a quick shout out. Some of the best archetypes are monocolor aggro, mono red, mono white. You tend not to want to play red white because the, the fixing for that tends to be tough to pick up. Other decks sometimes want it. Uh, black reanimator. There, there's good pieces for that. Mono green ramp is very solid. Just pick up a bunch of dorks, a bunch of hoofs, uh, you know, make it work. Blue piles, I would say, uh, artifact piles, big mana decks where you're casting these Thran dynamos and worn power stones, things to tap for extra mana, and then upheavaling and then recasting all your stuff while your opponent's left helpless. Uh, I like the lands decks, ones where you're uh, recurring fetch lands from your graveyard to trigger your Avenger of Zendikar, uh, and then you fetch it again, and then you get it back with a Renin Six. Uh, those are a good time. Uh, I tend to favor green and red decks in Vintage Cube, but um, let's just say I did get the chance to play with a Mock Sapphire and an Ancestral, and that was, oh man, <laughs> that was something. I went 2-1, of course. Naturally. Welcome to the fold. Yeah. So next up is Commander Legends Baldur's Gate, and if you haven't gotten the chance to either draft or do a sealed of Commander Legends or something of that nature, it's a little bit different than your typical format in that it's designed for Commander, but is also designed to be drafted. And as such, you you draft in pods and you play with four players at a time. So you get the commander experience. You have to draft a commander and then build a deck around that commander. You do get to pick two cards per pack, which is kind of unique and kind of fun. They did that with uh, Double Masters a while ago as well. Um, but then you're also, again, constrained to sort of the EDH deck building paradigms. You aren't limited to the singleton card thing, which you do have in EDH. Uh, so you can put multiple copies of a card in your deck, but you do still have to build with like the colors in mind and pick a, a commander that you want to build the deck around and such. So it makes the drafting experience quite a bit more unique, quite a bit more challenging and a lot of fun. We did a, a sealed event with the discord group of back when they did the last commander legends. And that was a ton of fun. We played over spell table. We didn't, th- this one kind of snuck up on us and we didn't really get the time to set this up to do it for this one, which would have been a lot of fun as well. But Maybe, maybe the next Commander Legends will do that. Yeah. So I, I think it's worth mentioning that this is a limited environment that you can go play in right now. Like, this is limited. It, 100%. It is limited. You draft it. Uh, and it's a unique draft experience because you, like you mentioned, you, you take two cards per pick. And that in itself is just kind of challenging. You have to think, well, 20 cards in a pack, two cards per pick. Not as many things are going to be wheeling. I have to be a little more careful with what I'm picking up. I have to I have to draft a commander <laughs> like, and then actually draft cards around it. So you have to think to yourself, wait a minute, should I take this like black rare when there's this two color red, white commander in this set should I, or in this pack? Should I just take the red, white commander? And then do I have to take a red or white card? Should I hedge my bets and, and take both? A um, lot, lot of interesting play patterns. That was actually the exact scenario I found myself in uh, when I played uh, at the draft over the weekend. This past weekend, I played a pre-release. And I know this is a small sample size. I think most responses to this have been small sample size because not many people that I know went to multiple. But 
people liked it. People had a lot of fun. Uh, lots of laughs at the draft table. Lots of laughs in the games. Um, overall, just a great atmosphere. And it's it's uh, pretty relaxed. This isn't your usual limited tournament where, where there's some cutthroat action. People here mostly have come to have a good time. I mean, it's a D&D themed commander set. Like, you're drafting it. Uh, a lot of folks were, were saying mid-draft, like, oh man, I'm going for the nonsense. I'm going for three-color dragon ramp. And I'm like, honestly, good for you. <laughs> So I highly recommend it, um, and I'm not saying that just because I, I won my pod, <laughs> which which I did while playing Big Boros, thanks to Commander Liara Porter. Uh, th- thanks, Commander. Uh, really fun Commander. I might actually make an actual deck with her. Oh, wait, no, my, my red-white deck is supposed to be a Kiri. Never mind. I'll get back to that later. Speaking of Commander decks, the next format we have here is Commander. I mean, we've been talking about it throughout this whole episode, and it's... I think it's safe to say it is our favorite format, right? Like, do you like Commander more than Limited at this point? This is really tough. I think Commander is so representative of who a person is. But at the same time, I enjoy the play style of Limited more. It's awfully close. I think I got to give it to Limited by a hair. But Commander is a way of showing who you are in your cards. And honestly, if this right now feels like a bit of a lull in, in limited for the listener, maybe now be a good time to look at those cards you've got piled up in your, in your box and see what kind of commander deck you could make. Like right now is a great time to build a commander deck. Yeah. And with spell table, you can play, you know, over long distances. You don't have the excuse of, I don't have anybody around me that (laughs) plays it. It can be an expensive with you. Yeah, seriously drop in. We have, we have channels in discord for that. So get in the discord and, and fire up some games. Um, I think, you know, some decks can be a little expensive, but it's also a really cool opportunity to be able to build something on a budget and kind of carve out a path to upgrade that deck and make it better and kind of refine it to fit all of those different aspects that you built the original version of it for, kind of like Ben was mentioning with representing you well and and overall just trying to hit a specific target. We've got decks for all sorts of different random stuff. Some of the most fun decks that I think both of us have aren't actually like that good at the game necessarily. Like they can win, but but the fun part is not that they win. It's how they do it or, you know, what else they do to the table at the same time. And maybe if you don't really want to build a commander deck, you don't feel like it uh, or just not really into it uh, or whatever other reason, there are even other options to enjoy commander. Maybe uh, by proxy. Uh, oh, that's a fun. I guess you could just proxy stuff too. <laughs> but but uh, I, I mean, vicariously, you could enjoy commander through um, th- things like... Uh, uh, MTG Goldfish's Commander Series or uh, the one by Star City Games, their Commander Series, or Shuffle Up and Play, the new series from The Professor. Um, I, I think he's got some, a variety of formats on there, actually. Uh, a lot of good content creators out there making pretty fun content just for you. All right, so while you're playing all these different formats and kind of you know passing the lull that is the next few months, that we will eventually get into a spot where... Streets of New Capenna is not the limited format of of the day. And so what's coming up? We've got Dominaria United dropping September 9th, which brings yeah. us back to Dominaria, which hopefully will be a good format. The original Dominaria format was incredibly good. One of the best we've had in a long time. Like it was a really good format at that point. I mean, that was coming right after, I think it was right after Rivals of Ixalan as well. So it was like coming off of a really bad format into a really good one. And it was just the best, you know, kind of the biggest delta i guess between formats you could find um yeah i think it still holds up yeah it's a great one hopefully dominar united is as well i'm excited to see where the story goes just outside of the the limited environment all told um and then one thing i know you're super excited about we got an we got a release date for infinity 
Yeah, October 7th. And uh, funnily enough, they, they actually released the date, but it was in the Wingdings font. And, and uh, <laughs> some people translate it. I think they translate it in the comments too. So I, I like the energy. I like where this is going. It's space carnival themed with some other stuff in there. Uh, there's clowns and constructs. I don't know what's happening. It's going to be awesome. Are you uh, outfitting your draft kit with SpaceX? Oh man, probably. I'm definitely picking up those, uh, those God, the shrines though. Those are beautiful. Well, I think that does it for us this week. If you're kind of not happy with magic in the state that limited's in at the moment, don't worry. You've got some options and, uh, give these a shot. Let us know which of these formats that you've meant that we've mentioned here are doing it for you right now. And if we didn't mention one that is that you're really enjoying, let us know as well in the discord. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. Again, huge thanks to everybody who supports us over there. You're keeping us doing this and we'll be back with you next week with our second year anniversary. We're super excited. Can't wait to to answer all those questions. So one last thing before we go, it's just about the last few weeks of school for me. And I like to end the year with some fun lessons. Now I teach astronomy and astrophysics is my passion, but I try to infuse that into even my freshman physical science classes too, because you know, it's the end of the year. We already took our post assessments. You teachers out there, you, you know what's up. You know what I'm talking about. So at the end of the year, I, I usually do astronomy with my students. I do some, uh, some what I call the cool astronomy, stuff to, to get them hooked on it. Maybe you want to take the elective uh, in the future. Right now, I'm teaching them about multiverses. Uh, To get there, you have to go through a whole bunch of stuff. Multiverses themselves are a questionable scientific hypothesis. Um, Depends how into uh, superpositions and and, uh, quantum mechanics you are. I am not very good at quantum mechanics, but depending on how deep you go into it, sometimes some uh, some folks will say that multiverses are a natural result of wave functions. Some will say it's it's more just some nonsense. Uh, others approach it that I mean that's the um, uh, many worlds interpretation. Um, but some will approach it from astronomy and say, well, we happen to have the right um, ratio of dark matter to dark energy to baryonic matter in our universe, and with that right ratio. Uh, we exist. You know, if we'd had a little too much junk in our universe, we would have collapsed back into a big ball of stuff gravitationally. Or if there had been a little too much dark energy, we would have expanded off into space forever and humans would have never formed. We happen to exist at the right ratio. So maybe there's other multiverses out there where they have the wrong ratio. And maybe we're one of billions and infinite multiverses uh, where uh, just our right ratio of things happens to exist. And then that, of course, leads to all the fun questions that students ask. So uh, this one student was like, wait, so there's a me out there that did everything the same, except he wore a blue shirt today. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> and he speaks German. And the guy was like, what? Oh, my God, this is awesome. So we were talking and applying it to a lot of the, the popular multiverse stuff like Rick and Morty and everything ever all at once is my personal favorite. Spider-Man, Doctor Strange. Uh, did I miss any? I'm sure you did. It's such a popular like area to explore in sci-fi. So, so here's my question for you. Why do you think it's so popular right now? I think it's popular right now because the like mainstream media, like Marvel Cinematic Universe has been moving towards that for a little bit. And it finally is like being explored. And because they're exploring it, everybody else is exploring it. It's not exactly a new topic. Like shows mm-hmm. and media and books and things have done the multiverse thing for ages. But I think just because a massive industry, an industry leader, I'll say like Marvel is, is putting focus on it. I think that's why a lot of other similar 
companies are doing that as well and exploring that. Well, I'll say this. I think it's also a bit of escapism, right? Where it's cool to be able to say, man, sometimes our world sucks. So it's nice to know that uh, out there in the multiverse, there's infinite versions of us that are uh, having a much better time. And and perhaps the best of this is that somewhere out there in in the vast and infinite multiverse, uh, there are infinite universes where uh, Streets of New Capenna was perfectly balanced and Inspiring Overseer didn't draw a card. So <laughs> let's just leave it at that. <laughs>